Do be seated. Our reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter 6, so the words are up on the screens, but if you'd like to follow along in a Bible, it's Luke chapter 6, the first 11 verses. So let's join Jesus and his disciples in our imaginations as we listen to these words. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields. And his disciples began to pick some ears of corn, rub them in their hands, and eat the grain. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry. He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and he stood there. And then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Lissy, very much. Uh, if you've just joined us, we are journeying through Luke's gospel. We're taking a year and a bit over it. Uh, we're trying not to miss anything out. And uh, last week, we saw how Jesus said, there's new wine needs new wineskins. There's new structures that are needed and a sort of collision course is set with the authorities. And here we get the first uh, hints of uh, collision with the authorities over the Sabbath. Uh, in those days, they were far too legalistic. And Jesus wanted to release people from the straitjacket they'd put on. In our day, we need to hear Jesus teaching on the Sabbath just as much, but for probably entirely the opposite reason. We've let it go. We live in a society that is too busy, and this may be a direct word of the Lord to some of you today. 
you are too busy. Certainly for me, this is something I struggle with. This is live for me. And there's, when you preach on it, you have to work through in your own life how it's working. So let's pray that God will speak to us, each one of us as a church, but as individuals as well. Lord Jesus, we bow before you, the Lord of the Sabbath. More than that, the Lord of lords and King of kings. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you will speak to each one of us. Thank you that you want good for us. Thank you that you want us to enter your rest. And we all live in this frantic society, so speak about how we can live your way in the midst of those who are going the other way. Speak to us as a church and to us as individuals and give us grace to act on what you say. And we ask it in your great name. Amen. Well, you don't need me to tell you that the pace of society and life is just getting faster. Uh, it's been that as long as I've been alive and I suspect it's only getting quicker. Uh, there are so many labour-saving devices. Gosh, years and years ago, a generation or two ago, they thought with all these labour-saving devices, we'll have so much free time, we won't know what to do with it. And the irony is it just seems to get faster and faster. Work is all busyness, efficiency and productivity. feels a bit like the Israelites. They've got to make the same number of bricks, but with less straw year on year. And it's just hard. The advances in communication have made the world a much smaller place. Uh, but they never stop. The internet never stops. The social media never stops. When you go on holiday, I remember going on holiday and having to leave a number of the reception where we were staying with parents or relatives in case they needed to get us. The post couldn't get you. There was no email. No one had even heard of a mobile phone. Uh, slightly different now. It's really hard to get away from work on holiday. The pressure to just check your email and check all's well or the text that says, sorry to bother you, but I wonder if you'd just look at this. Post-COVID, people discovered the blessing of working from home. Uh, but people say to me, gosh, you've no idea how hard it is to set boundaries working from home. Well, I, I do have an idea about that, because I've been trying to do it for 35 years. And it's not easy, and the pressure can grow. Social media is so wonderful for keeping in touch. Uh, with our family scattered in different places of the country and overseas. To have WhatsApp sharing things is amazing. But if we never switch it off, if we're constantly just on the next dopamine hit, how many hundreds of times a day is it we check our phones? It does something to our souls. It does something to our mental health. And if we never switch off, our souls can shrivel and our relationships struggle. Uh, years ago, someone coined a phrase to describe all this. They called it hurry sickness. In the, around about 400, St. Augustine said to God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. And we live in a restless society that is desperate for the good news of Jesus. I think one of the reasons that St. Paul's may have been relatively attractive as a church is that we've been quite a busy church, so people come in and they feel quite at home. But it may be God's calling us to something slightly different, to model a way of stillness, 
and avoiding this rest. And the word of Sabbath we're thinking about today speaks strongly to us and to our society. One doctor I read wrote this, we doctors in the treatment of nervous diseases are now constantly compelled to prescribe periods of rest. Some periods are, I think, only Sundays in arrears. <laughs> we just haven't taken those days out. And they catch up with us. Now, I've been pretty good at taking my day off and holidays. Uh, right from the start, I grew up in a clergy home and I knew my dad modelled that and I did that. But too often, the day off from church work was full of all sorts of other things that had to be done. Cars need taking to the garage, bills need paying, jobs are to be done. And too often, the day off was not a Sabbath. Eugene Peterson said, for too many clergy, a day off is a bastard Sabbath. It was a shocking phrase, but I thought, that's right, it's not the real thing. And I'm having to work at that. And of course, it's not just clergy. Some of you know the pressure of what I'm talking about. My problem was that if my day off wasn't a proper Sabbath, I slowly got more and more tired. And no holiday for a week or two can put all of that back. So I found, looking back on, and I've done quite a bit of reflecting on this, 35 years ordained, each year I just got a little more tired than the year before. There's a continuum from health to tiredness to fatigue to exhaustion to burnout. I never quite hit that one. But it used to be I'd be healthy, you'd go on, you get tired, you go on holiday, you come back to health. But then over the years I'd get more exhausted, go on holiday, come back fatigued or tired. That was better, but not fully healthy. And you may remember four years ago I had a sabbatical and I really read into Sabbath and it took a long time unwinding and I found God raising things in me that were uncomfortable and part of me thinks let's squash them down and get busy again but actually for our health we need to give attention and one of the things I resolved four years ago was that my day off would be a Sabbath and I have to confess to you that it's only had mixed success um, and so this is a live sermon for me some of you are really good at this, and some of you aren't. And as a church, we need to help each other. God gives us the Sabbath each week to just sort of restore our souls. So I was walking through London the other day. Uh, when I went to General Synod, I knew I was going to be sitting down for three days, uh, and it wouldn't be good for me. So I walked from Marylebone to Westminster, which is about three miles, and occasionally I had to find one of those maps that has the dot, this is where you are, just to check I'm going in the right direction. Now, yes, I had a mobile phone, but I, I, was too, I thought, I can do this. I can do it, and I, I needed to find the dot. The Sabbath is a bit like a map that gives, find the dot. This is where you are. For many of you, today is your weekly Sabbath, and Sundays work well, and it's a chance just to stop, to lay things down. Where am I? What needs attention? To see the wood for the trees. But if we don't take them, if we fill them with too many other things, slowly our souls get more frantic. We feel at home in a frantic world, but our souls shrivel. Dallas Willard said, if the devil can't stop you sinning, he'll try and get you to be too busy. Because when we're too busy, we miss what the Lord is saying. We try and do things he's not telling us to do, or we don't do the things he is telling us to do.
So before we look at what Jesus said about the Sabbath in the synagogue 2,000 years ago, let's go back a bit further to our very creation in Genesis 1 and 2. We've had six days, God's the six days, now don't get hung up about the word, the literal days, Hebrew day means a period of time. And uh, it tells us that God's made everything, he's made it orderly. And there's a rhythm. There was evening and morning, the first day, the second day, the third day. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. There is so much to learn from the creation stories in the Bible. Very, very different from the creation stories in every other religion. Most other religions, creation's not made good, but ours is made good, very good, we hear. In our creation story, women and men are equal. In our creation story, we are created to enjoy God and enter his rest. I noticed one thing this week I'd never seen before. On the seventh day, it doesn't say there was evening and morning the seventh day. Never noticed that before. It's almost like now creation is ready and there should have been no end to the seventh day. It's just entering all that God's done and rested. Now, of course, sin came in and everything went wrong. But there is a sense of eternity that there is a Sabbath rest for the people of God where what God's creation intention is, is restored. And God gives us the Sabbath to remind us of that, to help, help keep us on track. God didn't rest because he was tired, but to enjoy what he'd done, to look back and say, this is really good. He's made us, men and women, to enjoy it with him. And we find that the, the way the days work, there's evening and there's morning. The Hebrew day starts in the evening. It starts with rest, and then you go to work from rest. Our society is entirely the opposite. You start with work, and then you rest from work. But there's something about today, Sunday, the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. If we get this right, we work from rest. Uh, we had a holiday in Portugal a few years ago, and I discovered the days of the week in Portugal. I love that. Do you know this? Sunday is the Lord's Day. Then it's day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, and then it's Sabbath. As you know, your Portuguese are nodding. I love that. The other days are just numbered, but the days that matter, the Lord's Day, and we work, for, and then we get to Sabbath. There's something profound in that. Uh, now, people do get very hung up about the, the seven days of creation, the timing of creation. Uh, and I say, we don't need to do that. The, the Bible's not setting out to be a science book. It's telling us who made it and why they made it. And they made it in an orderly way. And day means period of time. The big issue is not the time of creation, but the creation of time. God has made time with this rhythm, a year, a month, a week, a day. And most of that we can work out by observing the sun and the moon. We know there's a day. It gets dark, it gets light every day. We get that rhythm. Uh, if you watch the moon, you realize there's a month. It gets full, 
It gets small and new, it gets full again. It takes about a month, you see that season. You know there's summer and winter. Actually, I read in our country we have about eight seasons. There's winter, then there's full spring. We had that last week or the week before. Then there's second winter. Then there's another hint of spring. We have a number of seasons. But it goes through a year. There's some, and we travel around the sun and we get that rhythm. You would have no idea that God had hardwired a week into creation if he didn't tell us. There's nothing, no moon that does a week, no sun that does a week. It's God tells us. The big deal is that God has created time with a rhythm and he's revealed to us this one in seven pattern. And he makes the seventh day different, holy. Now, people were used to holy places and holy people, but a holy day, a different day, a day for delighting in God and all his good gifts to us, a day to remember that he is God and we are not, a day to remember that we're made for eternity and not just to work. And God has hardwired this rhythm into creation just as much as he's hardwired gravity into creation. Now, you can fight against gravity if you like, but it won't end well for you. You can fight against the rhythm of one in seven, and it won't end well for you. It'll take a little longer to make a mess of your life than stopping off, jumping off a cliff, but it won't do you any good. We need to fit, go with the grain of creation. Uh, from time to time in history, and I could bore you with lots of examples of this, but I'll just do two, people have thought they know better than God, and they've changed this rhythm. So after the French Revolution, the new powers that be in 1793 decided to increase productivity and they changed a seven-day week to a ten-day week. You get nine days of work before you have a rest. It had the opposite effect. The suicide rate increased, people burnt out, productivity decreased. decreased. Uh, Henry Ford, when he set up the Ford Motor Company, tried to do this. He wanted to get the Model T Ford produced as soon as possible his workers worked seven days a week. Afterwards, he said it would have been finished six months earlier if he had forbidden his engineers to work on Sundays. Fatigue set in, and it took all week to straighten out the mistakes made on the day when they should have been resting. Just would have been quicker. Now, we could go through endless examples, but there's something of the rhythm of one in seven that God has given to us. Hardwired into creation like gravity. Uh, and in the Old Testament, there are two reasons given for it. In the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 28 to 11, we read this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. So one reason is to remember creation, that this is God's world, he's made it, and we do it his way. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy means the second law, it's when Moses reminded them of the law. Deuteronomy 5, you get a different reason. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor daughter, nor your male, nor female servants, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. 
Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. So not just creation, but salvation. They've been rescued. And those two reasons are for us to remember that we're made by God to live his way and that we've been redeemed by God, his way, to rest, to worship, to delight. So let's come to Luke chapter 6 again after that sort of longish preamble. So here is Jesus. Thank you, Lissy, for reading it so beautifully. Going through the grain fields, his disciples begin to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. They didn't have packs of mini cheddars in their back pockets like we would have or whatever, or snacks for you. So this is kind of the equivalent. They're just, they're peckish, they're snacking. And the Pharisees complain that the disciples are working. Obviously, if you are trying to make uh, corn into flour to make bread, then that process is work. What the disciples were doing was snacking, not working. Uh, But the Pharisees had got so concerned, they rightly didn't want to break God's law. But they were so concerned not to break it, they set rules that were like a fence around the law. It's a bit like if there's a cliff, uh, you might want to put a fence there so people can't fall over it. Some nations just say there's a cliff, don't go over it. Good luck if you do. Other Other nations are better at putting fences up. The Pharisees put a fence around the law so you couldn't break the law. Uh, Some clever person had worked out there were 39 letters in the original commandment, concluded there must be 39 categories of work that were banned, and subdivided each category into 39 subsections. That's 1,521 thou shalt nots, presumably including snacking uh, in the grain fields. And the trouble was, of course, that all these regulations weighed people down. Instead of keeping God's law and it being a delight, trying not to break these regulations, which were not God's law, became a weight. That's the problem when religion gets in the way of relationship. In many ways, I hate religion. I love relationship with God. What we're trying to do is help people into that. Now, it's good to have some structures to what we do, so it's not anarchy, but sometimes the way we do things, we just get too religious about it, and it gets in the way. And Jesus loved getting back to the point behind a commandment. It's not just don't murder, but don't hate. It's not just don't commit adultery, but don't lust. And the Sabbath, the point is to enjoy God. So two particular principles that we get from our passage this morning. There's these two stories. There's the one of the snacking, uh, the disciples walking through the grain fields and they're peckish. And there's the one where Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. Uh, The first principle is that the Sabbath is made for our good, for rest and for healing. So for example, in verse 9 of our passage, Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy. Clearly, it's to do good. It's, the point. it's meant to be a good day. In Mark's Gospel, in the equivalent passage, he's more explicit. He says this, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, the Jews needed to hear that second bit. Man is not made for the Sabbath. It's not that there is the Sabbath and you better obey it. It's that we are created and the Sabbath is for our good. We need to hear the first half of that because our society has let go of the rest day 
where everybody rests and everybody gives everybody else a rest. And I remember when the Sunday trading laws were all brought in, the big concern, some of us have to work Sundays, of course, we have a different day of work. But the problem is when employers can force people to work on Sundays, it may be that they can't have a day with their family because they're working different days and it can be so destructive. So the Lord had blessed the Sabbath, he'd made it holy and it's for our good. Now the most obvious way to abuse a holy day, but it's meant to be different, is to blur the distinction and make it just the same as any other day. That's a real problem, been a difficulty for me. So Sunday is a working day, Friday is my Sabbath. But for many, many years, we had, many of you know we had five children, school runs, school lifts, that was their working week. And their weekends, they were, I was busy in evenings and weekends, they were off then and it sort of worked against us. We had, we had to work quite hard on that. Now they've grown up and left home, they keep going back. But uh, now they've, there's a chance to set our rhythm again for Friday. But it works differently for each one of you in how your work works. We're not to abuse the Sabbath by making it the same. We need to find ways to make it different. I spent a year in Israel as a young man. I'd done a maths degree. I got called to be ordained before I went to do my theology. I was out in Israel for a year, uh, working up at a place called Stella Carmel on Mount Haifa. But I swapped with one of the volunteers in Jerusalem for a month, and I lived in Jerusalem working at the Anglican school there for a month. And it, it was extraordinary on a Friday evening watching Jerusalem shut down. The Jewish day starts in the evening, so the Sabbath day starts at sundown on Friday evening. And everything slowly shut down to the point where it was totally still. And then Saturday evening, with sunset, it all starts picking up again, and the, the party continued. But that rhythm of just watching everything stop and everybody helps, it's easier to slow down when everybody around you is slowing down. It's much harder to slow down when everybody around you is going at a frantic pace. Uh, four years ago, when I last took sabbatical, Juliet and I uh, took sabbatical starting in March, so we were off for Easter. So we decided on Good Friday to go to the Albert Hall where they do Handel's Messiah uh, every Good Friday. I assume they're doing it again this year. Uh, what we do here is fabulous, our all-age service and our quiet hour. We thought we were going to do something different. Uh, so we picked a nice picnic. We I, I, I bought myself a little um, backpack that had a cool bag section, so the Prosecco stayed cool. And we got a nice picnic, and we got on the train to London, and it was quiet. It was Good Friday. And we, just, we had time, so we decided to walk from Marylebone through to the Albert Hall. And there was hardly anybody about. It was quiet. And we walked through Hyde Park, and there were families enjoying themselves. And I felt the Lord say, this is what a Sabbath should be like. We do it in our country, but we only do it on bank holidays. Bank holidays are great. Nothing really happens. They're just a, it's a free day to enjoy. The idea of the Sabbath is like bank holiday every week. Imagine how good that would be. Uh, it's... And the problem is that we've just got too busy. Uh, growing up as a child, my problem was that Sunday was the most boring day of the week. I went to a little village church where my dad was the vicar of the village church. So he was working and there was nothing else to do. And it was just dull. Now, stopping is one thing to do on the Sabbath, but it's meant to be a day of delight 
not a day of boredom. How can you make your Sabbaths be a day not just to stop, but to be the best day of the week, the days of the Some of you are really good at this. Uh, if you are, rejoice and pray for everybody else. Uh, in our small groups, let's help each other to do this. Not like any other day. Uh, the commandment in Exodus, if we go back to it, Exodus 29 and 10, uh, says that, have we got that one? There we go. Six days you labour and do all your work, or you could be trying to say all that you have to do. My problem when I took day off was that there were things I had to do that um, stopped it being Sabbath. So you find in the scriptures, not only is there a Sabbath day, there's a day of preparation for the Sabbath. It's getting everything done so that you can enter into the Sabbath. So I'm trying to keep my Thursday late afternoons and evenings clear to do the things I have to do so Friday can be Sabbath. Uh, and I'm learning. I'm not great at it yet, but it's, it's coming. And the idea of Sabbath is both to celebrate God's made us and he's rescued us. It's for our good. It's a change. Uh, workaholism, refusing to take that day off, is taking something that's good, your God-given work, and making it ultimate. A bit like alcoholism. Uh, God gives wine to gladden the hearts of man, it says in the psalm. But when we abuse it, it's not good. And it's a problem. So all the way through the scriptures, uh, we find regulations about uh, when they were wandering through the wilderness, they stopped wandering and they stayed still. Uh, farmers weren't to plough on the Sabbath, even when the weather was great in Israel. They had lots of other good weather. Then. Uh, salesmen weren't to sell. It was a day of delight. Uh, I missed out the reference from Isaiah. Can we go back to that? Isaiah 58. Uh, this is the... If, I hope more of you will get called to the tech, but if you do, one of the things when you follow my sermon notes is I tend to do it in the wrong order and present a challenge to the people at the back. But Isaiah 58 says this, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, if you honour it by not going your own way and doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land, to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. It's this idea of how can it be a day of delight. Uh, so that's the first point, that uh, the Sabbath is for our good. Second point, slightly quicker. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. This is verse 5 of our passage. Jesus is the one who will show us how to do this. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And he says if David, the anointed king, could break the rules on the Sabbath because he needed to eat, then the Sabbath is, then Jesus, who's the Lord of the Sabbath, can show us how to use that day. So some people say to me, well, what do you think about me doing this on Sunday, if it's their Sabbath or a day off. And I tend to say, well, imagine looking the Lord in the face and saying, you love me, you want the best for me, and this is the best way I can think to use this day. And if you can't imagine that, then it's probably not the best way to use the day. Uh, for the early Christians, they had the Sabbath, but then they started worshipping the risen Lord on the Sunday, the resurrection day. Their worship day and their Sabbath were different days. When Constantine was converted, the Roman Empire became Christian. 
the rest day and the worship day became the same. And we have grown up in that in Christendom. With the end of Christendom, our sort of so many people have to work on Sundays now. The rest day, the Lord's day for many are different. Obviously not just clergy, but uh, emergency services and medics and traffic folks and different people, people who are running garden centres or uh, football matches or whatever it is. Lots of people have to work. So we need to find, get back to the principle of how do we do a rest day, a Sabbath day, as well as a worship day. And Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, so ask him to show you. So quick pause, just a little mental health check. How are you doing? Uh, don't get your phones out, but if you, if you imagine getting your phone out, you can look at the battery, and the battery is charged somewhere between 0%, it won't tell you because it's dead and it won't be able to tell you that, or 100%. Just in your own soul energy level, if you had a little battery indicator saying how you're doing, how are you doing inwardly on your healthy, rested, well level? We're 100% when we're fully charged. That's pretty rare. But if we can be in the 90s, that would be brilliant. When we're down to 0%, we've had enough and feeling suicidal that too many live on single figures or on 20% of just hanging in there. The idea of the Sabbath is to get back into the 90s, if not 100, 90s, certainly every week. And when we get holiday, you get back to 100. That's a sinful world, fallen world, so we can't ever really hit that perfectly. Not just to wait till we get to the teens or 20s and then have a bit of extra time off and get back to 30 or 40 or 50% and carry on. That's what I was doing. And God has made the Sabbath so we can get back every week to the point where we're rested. Uh, the Church of England at last is recommending that clergy take two days off. Um, it always used to be one day. But the idea is to have a day of preparations to all the other things that have to be done and to have a Sabbath. Uh, please do ask me how I'm doing on this. I'd love to be accountable. But some of you need this just as much as I do and you need people to be accountable. I suggested to our small groups that one of the modules you do this term is John Mark Comer. He has a thing called Practicing the Way. Remember, we're following Jesus, the way, the truth and the life. He has a module on Sabbath and some of the small groups have just done that and we can ask them how they got on. But if your small group hasn't done that yet, that could be a really good, if in your group you think we need to give attention to this, four weeks to think about it. Now, there's lots of practical ideas. There's no rules, remember, on how you do it. That's the Pharisees. But there are principles. Here's a few principles as we come into land. Stop. You stop your work. You draw a line. Now, some of you very much clock on and clock off. That's really fairly easy. If you work from home, it's really hard to draw a line sometimes when you're stopping work. You need to find a way of doing that. Uh, in the Jewish culture, they have Erev Shabbat, the evening before Shabbat. They have a Friday evening meal where they gather, and at the start, the mum of the family would light the candles, the father of the family pray a blessing. It's a line. It's a start. The week is done, the Sabbath has come, and there is delight. Uh, some people know that their phones and their iPads and their laptops are so in their face they lock them away for a day. The line is putting them in a box and unlocking them a day later. Uh, that's pretty drastic, but you may need to do that. 
we stop. We rest. It's a day for rest and restoration. Now, for some of you, rest means pretty physical activity. You feel restored when you've been for a run, you've done some sport. Uh, for many, it may be a more leisurely walk. Others of you might just want to take a few more naps. That's fine. Whatever it is that's restful, what restores your soul. It's a day to worship. Now, when Sunday is your Sabbath, great, we worship together. And I love worshipping with you on a Sunday, but it's not my rest day. On a Friday, I have a much more leisurely start to the day uh, and a more leisurely quiet time and a chance to just read a bit more and pray a bit more and journal a bit more and just before the day crowds in, a chance to worship. Uh, but please don't just stop rest and worship. Celebrate. Find things to do that really are celebratory. It's a feast day. The sun, Sunday is a, a, a mini Easter day. Uh, meals with friends or family or whatever it is that most energizes you. Uh, some are more extrovert, want more time with people. Some are more introvert, and a long walk on your own will be glorious. Uh, for most, it's a bit of both. Uh, can I suggest, if you've not really ever done this, you come to church, and then you get home, and then the busyness takes off again, to plan one full Sabbath, either with friends or family, if you're married with your husband or wife, Plan one. Starts the night before, goes a whole way through a day. Plan it properly. What are you going to do? Are you going to switch all the digital stuff off? How are you going to rest? Are you going to walk? Are you going to have meals with people? Are you going to avoid everybody? Plan a great day. Plan one. And then do it. So you get on. And when you've done that, plan another one. And just try and get this built in. Uh, it just comes with a slight health warning. I said when I had sabbatical, some of the muck inside me started coming to the surface. And actually, my last sabbatical, it took all three months to clear that out. When you do stop, you will find some things you need to give attention to coming to the surface. And I think one of the reasons we don't do it is because that's uncomfortable. You squash it down and keep busy. But actually, if we're going to be healthy, we just need to break through that and keep going. So plan one. Be gentle on yourself. Uh, I've spoken quite long enough, so let's have the band come back. And let's have one more verse up on the screen uh, as we stand, uh, ready to pray. If we can put up this verse. Jesus said, so please stand. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we're going to come to Jesus. If you're new among us, we're just going to be still. I'll lead in a prayer. We'll be still for a minute or two. Just allow the Lord to take what he's saying and really take it deeper into us. Maybe a chance to ask some questions of the Lord. How do I do that? Lord, we bow before you. You said, come to me and I will give you rest. And we come to you now. You are the Lord of the Sabbath. So we pray, come by your Holy Spirit. Increase the presence of your Spirit among us and in each one of us. And speak to us. 
put thoughts in our head about how to do this. Minister to us. Perhaps point out to us the pride that lies behind our overwork or anything else that's really coming between us and you that's stopping us doing this. Come, Holy Spirit, let's be still. Sabbath is for our good. You might just want to hold your hands open as a posture of receiving. The Lord wants to do good to you. We read on that Sabbath that Jesus healed people. There may be something you want to come to our prayer ministry team afterwards for prayer for healing. God may heal you physically or he may do something much deeper in you. He may just be getting your attention. But Lord, how we pray for our whole church family, those who are here, those who aren't here, that you will do a deep work in us and help us to rejoice in you and to help each other to do that and to live differently from our frantic world. And to learn to do Sabbath well. Let's take another moment before we sing. We pray for our small groups as they look at some of this material. Guide each one to do it at just the right time. Pray as we talk with friends or husband or wife, family, about how we do this, that the Sabbath would become a day of delight, a day of being restored, a day when our battery indicator gets back high. So, Lord Jesus, as we worship you, continue to pour your spirit. Praise you that you are the Lord of the Sabbath that as we come to you, you heal, you restore, you guide, you equip. Where there's stuff we need to repent of, convict us of that, but so that you can fill us. And we pray it all in your great name. Amen.